Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Welcome to Dirt Radio. I'm your host, Phil Evans, uh, coming at you from my house, still isolating as part of the COVID-19, making sure everyone's all right. Um, I'm up in Preston on the land of the Wurundjeri people in the Kulin Nation where sovereignty has never been ceded. We're looking forward as restrictions ease to getting back into live radio. But for now, enjoy this pre-recorded show. Today, I've got two separate interviews for you. One is from... Uh, two of uh, my good comrades who've got a new podcast out called They're Gonna Kill Us. So we get joined by Samantha Castro and Sean Bedlam later on in the show. But first up, we're gonna hear from Anya Homburg, who is a part of the Disability Resources Center advocacy group, and also been collaborating with Friends of the Earth's own Sustainable Cities campaign around accessible transport. So we're gonna catch up with Anya in just a moment uh, and talk through some of those issues. And then later on the show, as I said, Samantha Castro and Sean Bedlam, stick around for that one. On Dirt Radio, you're listening to 3CR. Do you need to renew your subscription? Make a donation. Or pass on some information to a programmer. We can't get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03 94198377 each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member. That's 03 3CR Community Radio, here to stay. You're back on Dirt Radio with Phil Evans here. Late last week, I caught up with Anya Homburg from the Disability Resource Centre. Let's listen into that interview now. Joining me via a video conference online is Anya Homburg from the DRC Advocacy Group. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us on Dirt Radio. No, thanks for having us. So last week, there was an online action that was run um, by DRC Advocacy in conjunction with Friends of the Earth. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what happened and why it was important? Yeah, so we partnered with Friends of the Earth for a digital action that we called um, Lifelong Lockdown. So we had a hashtag, hashtag with Lifelong Lockdown. And... um, Our organization is running a a longer campaign about accessibility of public transport for people with disabilities in the state of Victoria. So we were using this lockdown theme because obviously right now everybody in Victoria is really excited because lockdown measures are easing and soon people are going to be able to go out and do a lot more of the things that they normally do. And a lot of people have really struggled in lockdown with isolation, not being able to go places. And we thought, well, this is really interesting because actually in the state of Victoria, for a lot of people with disabilities, lockdown life is normal life. Um, If you have any kind of disability, really, um, from physical to sensory to psychosocial, public transport can be really fraught. Um, It's also very likely that you're reliant on public transport because you can't drive um, for whatever reason. And um, unfortunately, because we're an older 
state and we have older infrastructure, a lot of our public transport is not accessible for people with disabilities. Mm. So people with disabilities just often don't go nearly as many places as sort of the average quote unquote Victorian might because it's just too hard. Um, we were supposed to, by disability standards, have an 80 to 90 percent accessible system in the state by 2022. We're really, really late for that. That's not going to happen. Um, and the system is supposed to be fully accessible by 2030. And unless some major changes happen, we're not going to reach that target either. So we've been really trying to draw some attention to this and get the state government and the public a little bit more responsive to this issue, um, especially because the DRC, Disability Resources Center, has actually been in existence since the 80s. And members of our organization have been campaigning for accessible public transport since mm. then. So 40 plus years of, of fighting for public transport to work for everybody. So what we did was we got a group of people together from Friends of the Earth, as well as a lot of people with disabilities and their allies from the community that we've been working with to take a photo of themselves holding a piece of paper that had the hashtag lifelong lockdown on it um, and asking, you know, Melissa Horn, uh, the Minister for Public Transport and Luke Donnellan, the Victorian Mr. Minister for Disability and um, Jacinta Allen, the Minister for Transport, to, to end lifelong lockdown for people with disabilities. Um, as regular lockdown ends, it would be really nice for people with disabilities to know that in the few years into the future, their limitations in terms of getting around will also be, be brought down um, and asking for them to prioritize that in their next budget. So and we had... So you mentioned that this has been a very long struggle since the 80s mm. uh, that um, DRC advocacy has been working on this issue. And um, you mentioned that there are those uh, those goals, uh, so the 80 to 90 percent accessibility by 2022 and 100% by 2030. Mm. Um, so what what is what do you think is the hold up in terms of actually seeing a pathway forward to see those goals met? Um, I think there's a couple of factors. I think one of the biggest ones, um, particularly with the Melbourne tram network, but actually with the with the state rail lines as well, is that the population size of the state grew a bit faster than anticipated. So they've had to keep a lot of old trams and old trains running because they needed them because there's more people using it than they projected. So one of the issues is just that they've had to hold on to old stock because because they need, they need it for people to use. But I do think fundamentally the genuine issue is that it's just not a priority, um, that politicians and the general public aren't tapped into it enough to feel like it's an important issue. And I think a lot of people feel that disability represents a very small portion of the community and um, that for some reason that means it's less important. Um, so that's one of the, the big problems. The other thing that we're coming up against, particularly in the fight for accessible trams um, and particularly platforms that are flush with the low floor trams, is um, a lot of protest from local tradespeople because it impacts parking, street parking. Um, so actually there were a couple of tram stops that were supposed to be made level that got set aside or postponed because the local trade community got together and spoke to the politicians and said, we don't want this. Um, yeah, so those are the major issues. So you kind of touched on there the way that um, other people may see that it impacts them in terms of implementing that accessible transport. But I wonder what sort of issues do people living with disabilities experience in terms of accessibility issues with transport? Um, 
why, why is it uh, difficult to, to use these services that other people enjoy so freely? Um, well, it depends on the disability, of course, and so there's a huge range of issues that people face. Um, the, the really obvious one that people often think about is people who use mobility aids or who have limited mobility. So, you know, if you've been on a Mel one of the old Melbourne trams, all those steps, like you're in a wheelchair or you can't use steps, you're not going to get on that tram. Um, so the low floor trams are much better in that way, but then the issue is that a lot of the stops are not actually flush with the low floor tram. So often um, people with mobility issues will tell us they can get on at a stop, but then when they need to get off, they actually can't. And then they have to wait for five or six stops. Um, other issues are for people who are hard of hearing or low vision, that audio announcements or the visual announcements aren't always working, or if there's a change in, um, in the delivery of the service, they, they'll miss it because there won't be an update fast enough. Um, another issue is always overcrowding. So if you've got any kind of mobility issue or physical disability, then overcrowding makes it really difficult. But also if you have sensory issues, like if you're on the spectrum or you have psychosocial issues with PTSD or proximity to others, it's just not feasible. Um, and that includes the V-Line, um, the V-Line and regional services as well. They can get so packed too that that's a problem. Um, and with some of the V-Lines, like the, the accessible carriage that actually allows people to use their mobility aids just isn't always on the train um, and it isn't always predictable and they'll say yeah yeah it's going to be on the on the um, on the next line so you'll be able to get the next service and then it's not um, other issues that come into play are assistance animals so a real lack of understanding about how that works um, the latest public transport ombudsman accessibility report the, the largest complaint around accessibility was actually staff so people not being well trained in disability and how to appropriately help people with disabilities accessing public transport. And the other major access barrier that we've identified is um, public attitudes and also um, sometimes even abuse and assault, particularly um, young women with visible disabilities are often at high risk um, of being assaulted on public transport and mistreated. So that's a very big barrier. Yeah. And I mean, if there's a silver lining to this COVID-19 uh, crisis and the lockdown that we've all um, done in terms of making sure that we look after each other in communities, hopefully it drives that kind of empathy factor um, mm. in, uh, um, in all Victorians so we can see this um, become a priority in terms of reaching those goals to make sure that we do have accessible public transport for everyone. And so, um, and even that's got to be good for those local traders as well. Um, mm. If everyone's able to get out and start shopping in their shops, because uh, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting time when we all get, uh, where we get moving and out of this lockdown situation. Um, mm. Just, uh, we're just about to run out of time, but I was wondering, is there something that people can do, um, given the action was last week, mm. um, is there something people can do now if they want to um, help make accessible public transport a priority issue for the state government? Yes, um, absolutely. So you can find um, DRC Advocacy on, on the internet or on Facebook. So you can look us up through there. Um, our website's drc.org.au. Um, if you know or follow Friends of the Earth, you can also find it through there. And on our page, you can actually sign up to be part of the campaign more broadly, which means we'll be sending you updates about different actions, um, different things we're going to be doing. So it's not done yet. Just because this action's finished doesn't mean that we're finished at all. There's more that you'll be able to do. Um, and one of the biggest things that we'll hopefully be doing soon is some petitions and also some letters to local MPs um, so that, you know, politicians get the impression that this is a priority for the whole community and that there is a real amount of support behind it. 
Amazing. And I will put links into the DRC Advocacy Group's website uh, in the show notes. Uh, so you can check that out on 3cr.org.au, where you can find all the podcasts and listen back to this interview with Anya Honberg. And thank you so much for joining us today and letting us know about this really important issue. Now, thank you for giving us a platform. We appreciate it. No worries. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye. That was an interview I did with Anya Homburg from the Disability Resource Centre. And you can listen back to that full interview on 3cr.org.au where you can catch up on any podcasts from Dirt Radio or any of your other favourite shows. Coming up after this short break, we'll catch up with Sean Bedlam and Samantha Castro about their new podcast, They're Gonna Kill Us. Stay tuned. Hi, these are weird days. Many of my days are weird days actually, but these are weirder than most. It can be a bit of a seismic shock to wake to the news of daily tolls here and in other countries. To spend week after week separated from friends and family, hour on hour of many of us just within our own homes. But through all of this, we are also seeing so much to inspire hope. People are creating incredible networks of mutual aid, Gardens are thriving from all that lockdown attention. We are finding new ways to slow, connect and reflect. Artists are creating, kids are learning differently and activists are imagining and collaborating on new futures beyond this time. And 3CR is continuing to broadcast throughout this coronavirus remotely. Who knows how long this will have us all locked down, but don't let it get you down. Tune in and love up your community. Stay connected. Work for what has to be a better future ahead. Thanks, CR, for staying steady on the waves. Joining me on Dirt Radio is Samantha Castro and Sean Bedlam. They've been uh, troublemakers and activists for well over a decade now and generally have a pretty good perspective on what's going on. They've got a new podcast out called They're Gonna Kill Us, which is a look at everything happening in 2020. Sam and Sean, how are you going? Hey, Phil. Hi, Phil. Um, Thanks so much for joining us on Dirt Radio. Um, I've been loving the podcast. Um, It's really helped me through my quarantine ISO times. Um, (laughs) How did did this all come about? Can I go, Sam? Yeah, you love telling telling the origin story. You go. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, we've been a team for about uh, 10 years. Yeah. Um, but we've been troublemakers for much longer than that separately. <laughs> now you go, Sam. And then uh, we came together actually via, you know, trigger warning, Occupy. Um, met at Occupy. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, uh, started doing a, a lot of activism together. And, in fact, Phil, I think you uh, were part of the early... Uh, iteration of Mildly Amusing Action Squad. Uh, oh, I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was mildly amusing, but sometimes <laughs> flat out hilarious. But <laughs> Yeah. But I think over the years, Bedlam and I have, have always talked about doing sort of projects together and understood the importance of uh, producing media and seeing ourselves as organisers and activists that are not just consuming it, but actually producing content. Uh, and then late last year, we were having a conversation. Bedlam, do you want to take over? 
we were having a conversation and suddenly had the idea or we've wanted to do a particular kind of media for most of the time that we've been working together, but haven't been able to work out to do it. And finally out of frustration made the snap decision. Let's start a podcast so we can say exactly what's on our minds without having to worry about, for instance, other people's feelings if we're in, you know, because we're in a meeting. (laughs) Uh, So the idea was that we could just get on there and go hard. Yeah, and I think we were we were just sort of talking about all the things that we wanted to explore, which is basically uh, the understanding, I think, that many of us have. We know what the problems are. We know what's going on. We know that these people are, you know, they're going to kill us if we don't do something. And we both said that sentence at exactly the same time and we're like, well, that's the title. It's, you know, it's not an optimistic title. Um but there is always a pathway. If they're going to kill us, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> you know, how, how are we going to survive? And, and do we even deserve to survive, I guess, has been the question <laughs> that has spiralled out of the pandemic. And we started the podcast just a, a few weeks before the pandemic really hit. Um, so I think the first episode was Andrew Boulder's definitely a... Yeah, it may or may not have been called that. It was definitely called that, yes. No, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I, I do notice on uh, on the Spotify where you can go and listen to this wonderful podcast, and I do recommend people go and check it out. Um, it's actually being dotted out. So. No, I did that. <laughs> I thought that. I thought that would be funny. Yeah. Instead, it just looks like we've been controlled and censored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so I guess the podcast has been us really tracking our experience uh, during these crazy times and trying to work out what the hell we do. How do do we now bring about the kind of changes required to stop them from killing us? Yeah, absolutely. And it's been such an interesting time and it was kind of, um, I mean, I'm sure... uh, doing any sort of content at the moment is kind of a catharsis, like in these very isolating times. So... um, so I, I really enjoyed listening to it and actually like I'm going on that journey with you both into it. One of the things that I've noticed coming out of it and um, given that this show, um, it's uh, the Friends of the Air show on 3CR and thinking about things from the environmental movement perspective is the pandemic has really kind of unleashed this sense of proto-eco-fascism. Um, you know, this idea that like uh, that humans are awful and some sort of plague on the, on the um, planet and and, and that sort of thing. I wondered, um, because it's so interesting listening to um, you both unpack issues, um, what does eco-fascism mean to both of you, Sean, if you want to start? Oh, it's bullshit like uh, leaning heavily on the idea of overpopulation, uh, which was why Michael Moore's produced you know, doco recently was such a huge surprise, uh, beginning with that idea of overpopulation, which immediately sets up the whole situation as... People are basically disposable and obviously some are much more disposable than others and let's start working out how to get rid of them. I mean, a a completely crap way to come at the situation. Um, So that's one answer to what is eco-fascism. (laughs) Eco-fascism! Is it Michael Moore's recent documentary? I say, (laughs) I say a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit eco-fashy. Yeah. I also think it's about recognising the way that 
um, the right wing um, has really capitalised in not only, um, I guess, the pandemic, but in the climate argument uh, to bring these really white supremacist and uh, racist uh, national identity ideas into the concept of what it means to love your country. And uh, part of the reason for the podcast is also <clears throat> we're really tired of the right wing uh, and the credential class holding the the uh, mainstream discourse and that you know we are heading down an authoritarian fascist road we have been heading down that road in my opinion since 9-11 and one of the things that Sean and I identified is that the people that are actually doing the work and doing the critical thinking and on the ground on the front lines organizing and understanding the structural issues of that lead to concepts like eco-fascism because they see them and they live them um, that those people don't have platform and voice so one of the things we're trying to do in the podcast is is have conversations with people that are actually engaged in the work and that deserve to be heard and are always filtered out of the Murdoch press and the mainstream media because we need a whole new generation of thinking and ideas and voices out there and part of breaking that is breaking the stranglehold of who gets platform to actually discuss the real issues that affect us and we want to get you on our podcast at some point phil oh well if you're going to video it i mean the you the listeners can't see at the moment god i love radio um, i haven't even done my hair this morning i probably haven't shaved in a couple of days <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm pretty sure bedlam just rolled out of bed did you just much. roll out of bed? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got to record a podcast at nine o'clock tonight. So I thought, Jesus Christ, what's the point of being awake? <laughs> <laughs> well, coffee. That's the only reason for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really wanted to, you kind of almost, um, almost ruined a little bit of a game that I wanted to play with you both on the air. Um, and that was just to play a little bit of word association. Um, and I do want to give a little bit of a pre-trigger warning to you. Some of those words may uh, elicit certain emotions that maybe you don't want to feel. But Happiness. <laughs> well, that's not one of them. But I did want to say the first word was privacy. Sam? People don't respect um, the importance of privacy. Oh, sorry. Am I supposed to just choose one word? Well... I mean, maybe a sentence, a tweet, 140 characters or less, or 280, is it now? Okay, privacy for the individual, transparency for the corporations and the elite. Thank you. Sean, privacy. Uh, ooh, millennials who have seemingly absolutely accepted ubiquitous surveillance for some reason. I'm sure they've got their own reasons, but it baffles <laughs> me. I'm baffled. Yeah. Um, this one, um, we, you almost touched on it before, so definitely a trigger warning. Occupy. <laughs> Look, there were, there were a lot of cool people involved, um, but it wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> Occupy. Uh, a good idea badly executed. Mm, cool. Um, and one more. Rebellion. <laughs> oh god you are triggering me definitely and i'm not easily triggered 
I look. <laughs> Such hesitation. Uh, so the word association that I would come up with uh, is, of course, extinction. <laughs> uh, but then that just leads to a whole lot of thoughts about, uh, yeah, just wow. Uh, rebellion. Rebellion is a word that has lost all meaning, much like democracy. I'll go. Rebellion. <laughs> Rebellion. When the pandemic kicked off in uh, Australia, it became deadly serious. I had a moment of thinking, well, uh, this is terrible, but, <clears throat> excuse me, there'll be some sort of rebellion, surely. And um, no, it turned out <laughs> not. It turned out I jumped the gun. Uh, so I'm. Oh, the shark. The shark? Oh, jump the shark. Yeah. That, that, even that doesn't... I, it's an interesting it, visual, but... Have, <laughs> I mean, you, have you I, never heard that saying, you've jumped the shark? Yeah, but generally a reference isn't supposed to be confusing and to make me not understand what's happening, <laughs> which, what's, what's just occurred, what's going on? What Look, Extinction Rebellion jumped the shark as well. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, again, again, I mean, if the idea is silly from, from the get-go, can it jump the shark? Well, these questions and more, you can probably hear more about on the podcast. They're going to kill us. Uh, we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank and you. If people want to listen to the podcast, I mean, I'll obviously put some uh, a link in the show notes so people can check it out because I really do recommend getting amongst it and um, hearing things from a different perspective. Um, how can they listen to They're Going to Kill Us? On iTunes, Spotify, uh, you can get on Facebook and like the page there to keep track. Uh, we're on Twitter. Twitter. We have a Twitter account. Uh, we don't have Instagram for no reason at all. <laughs> so <laughs> millennial. <laughs> I would love to see um, you both doing some TikTok dancing. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, how much is that not happening? Oh, boy. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on Dirt Radio. Um, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Bye. Phil. Bye. That was a fun one to record. I look forward to uh, being a guest on their podcast coming up in the future. Watch out for that one. Uh, we're just about out of time for Dirt Radio, um, but if you want to listen back on any of these uh, interviews or find links to find out more information about how you can get involved in either accessible transport campaigning or if you want to check out the podcast from Sam and Sean, then go to 3cr.org.au forward slash dirt radio and you can find a link with more information and also lots and lots of podcasts to catch up as um, we continue through these strange times indeed. Taking us out of the show today, let's listen to an old favourite of mine. It's The Doors. Strange days. Strange days indeed. See you soon. Stay tuned to 3CR. <laughs>